Lift our hearts with our hands and worship him. And I thank you, Jesus, and I praise you, Jesus. And I worship you, O great and mighty and holy God. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. Great and mighty King, holy, righteous Savior. Thank you for this great truth, Lord. Thank you for this great, great truth and message. And I thank you, dear Jesus. I thank you, dear Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Very nice to be here with you tonight. Sweet presence of the Lord. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and then to the Greek, or in other words, to the rest of the world. I'd like to work on the beginning portion of this verse tonight, for I am not ashamed. Everybody said praise the Lord. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. You know, shame is a very painful emotion. It's uh, caused by a consciousness of guilt. You realize that you're feeling a pang, at least, of guilt, or not, or if not worse. It's a, uh, <clears throat> it lets you know that you've acted wrong, impropriety. You, you've acted wrong, an improper manner, an improper way. You've spoken wrong or done wrong or said wrong or thought wrong, some way acted incorrectly. It's certainly a, uh, I want to say it's a susceptibility to an emotion. Uh, you're, you can feel it. You experience it. And it's uh, a simple example might be that somebody might say, have you no shame? And you, and you do have it. You do feel it. You know? So, uh, I want to say it's a condition. It's a condition. Paul one time said that whatsoever condition he found himself, whatsoever state or condition, he wasn't talking about Florida or Texas state, he was talking about condition, whatsoever condition. So it is a condition uh, of humiliation and disgrace. That's what shame is. And, uh, but Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Now, you know, the Bible said also in... Um, Several accounts, but one in particular, several accounts of his being crucified on the cross and being, of course, before he was hung on the cross and nailed to the cross, that he had been beaten and he had been whipped. A crown of thorns had been placed on his head. He had been mocked. He had been spit upon, not by one person, but by a whole bunch of Roman soldiers. And um, it was uh, a very... It wasn't a good-looking individual that was trudging down the Via Dolorosa, you know, uh, the way of the cross. It wasn't a, a very pretty sight. And they, in going along with the cross on his shoulder and uh, having gone through everything he'd already gone through, it's a wonder he had any strength left to carry this cross, but he did. And then they came to a certain point. Now, 
people like to say that he stumbled and he fell and a uh, certain religion likes to make up that there, and I did say make up, they make it up, that there were three times that he fell. And, but that's not in the Bible, not in the Bible at all. But it does tell us that uh, at one point that somebody was sought out of the crowd along the way to the place of the skull, to the place of uh, crucifixion, uh, Golgotha's hill, that um, they sought among the crowd somebody to help him bear the cross. And um, doesn't exactly show you in the Scripture or teach to you that people were just jumping out of there one over the other, you know, let me do it, let me do it, no, let me do it, elbowing one another and, and, and trying to push their way to the front uh, and straining to get there. It does not teach that. It teaches you that one individual had to be compelled. He had to be compelled to help bear that cross. And um, when they got to Golgotha and when he was stripped and when he was nailed and placed upright into the ground, hanging between heaven and hell, goalposts of eternity, there he was. It was not a pretty sight. He was already an individual that the Bible said when he, before he was whipped, before he was beaten, before he was spit on, before all of this took place, that there was no beauty in him that you would desire him. He was not uh, designed to be uh, physically attractive. He, the emphasis was to be on the spirit, not on the flesh. And so I never read where he was disfigured. I never read in the Scripture, you know, where he had any horrible scar, but he sure did when they got done beating him. And when they had done all that they had done, and even then threw a spear into his side where the blood and the water did run out. And once again shows you that the blood is in the name of Jesus in water. How important it is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ if you're going to get your sins forgiven. If you're going to get them all fully pardoned, then you must be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. So then the Bible teaches that as he hung there, dying, gasping for breath, suffocating, his heart about to burst, and pretty much figured that that's what took place, that he actually literally died of a broken heart. And yet the Scripture teaches that there stood by the cross. Now there stood by the cross Mary, his mother. And then John was standing there with her by the cross. People that are going to be raised up, people that are going to receive an experience, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. People that are going to stand by him, no matter what it looks like, no matter how bloody it may look or how ugly it may look or how humiliating it may look. <clears throat> there was a woman in the church that we came into in Miami. <clears throat> and um, Somewhere along the line, she was getting up in age. She was probably about 60 and um, at that time, and I'm guessing. But um, there's no guessing about the disfigurement. She was baptized in Jesus' name. She had the gift of the Holy Ghost. And she was a 
very sweet and godly woman, and I'm sure had been forgiven of many sins. And this woman was at the grocery store one day. It was a little grocery store down the street from the church, and I had stopped in there to get something, no doubt, for Senior Sister Feld. And, and um, as I was online, this woman was from our church was online ahead of me. And she had, a, had, had suffered at some point some type of a blood clot. And I guess it had burst, and they were able, though, to keep her from dying. And it left her, though, horribly disfigured. Her head was swollen, and her, right over her eye was completely out from her face. And her eye was bulged, and it was, it was very uh, nasty to look at. It just wasn't appealing. It was unappealing. It was something you would kind of shy away from. But um, I was online, and I called her name, and I said, Sister, I said, let me take care of that for you. I wanted to pick up the tab. <laughs> I didn't have two cents to rub together, but somehow I was going to pick up the tab. My wife says I have a big heart and a broken pocketbook. But uh, be that as it may, the Lord knows how to supply every need according to his riches and glory. <clears throat> and uh, Anthony, I think your mother wants to talk to you on your way out. Everybody said praise the Lord. So I had, um, she would not allow me to do that. She wouldn't allow me to carry her groceries out. She wouldn't allow me to do anything because she was ashamed of how she looked. But by the grace of God, I wasn't feeling any shame. That's a sister in the Lord. She's in the church, you know. And um, that's how Mary, the mother of that broken, spit upon, bloody flesh, whipped, beaten, crucified, a spear in his side, felt. Now there stood, in spite of all of that, now there stood by the cross his mother. There she is. She's not going anywhere. People are coming by and wagging their tongues, the Scripture said. They're crying out and saying, if you be who you say you are, then come on down off of there. Come on, you the big man, you the big dog. No wonder Jesus said, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. You've healed everybody else. You've raised the dead. You've cleansed the lepers. You, you've opened the blind eyes. You've unstopped the deaf ears. You, you've taken care of all kinds of problems here. You've casted out many devils. You've walked on the water. So come on down off of there if you be who you say you are. The humiliation that was being heaped upon that you're a fraud, you're a fake, you're a phony. All kinds of insinuations were being made. And some of them weren't an insinuation. They were bold accusational statements that you are a fake and a fraud and a phony. Even two men on the cross on either side of him were casting the same into his teeth, the Scripture said. While they're all up there in a mess, they're all at the point of dying, but Jesus more so because of his deteriorating physical condition, he was whipped and left with 361 stripes on his back until his insides were hanging out. And he is in a deteriorating, rapidly deteriorating situation. And he's somewhere into nine hours, a full day's work yet to go on this cross. But they're standing there with him, his mother and John, who would be one day John the Revelator. He would be known as that. And their hearts are saying, I am not ashamed. 
Their voices are pounding away. I am not ashamed. That's Jesus. That's my Savior. That's my God come in the flesh. That's the Lamb. That's a sacrifice. I don't care what you think about the look. I don't care that you're putting your nose down looking at this thing and saying, pew, that's ugly. I don't care that you don't like the way the situation looks. I don't care. I am not ashamed. I'm telling you, I'm not ashamed of the standards of the church. I'm not ashamed of the truth. I'm not ashamed of the Acts 2.38 one God holiness message separation from the world. I am not ashamed. Not ashamed. Not feeling any humiliation about that. I'm going to stand by him. No matter what the devil in this world says. No matter how people will back up. How much people will let down. How they will try to erase the lines through Facebooks and Twitters and all kinds of social networks. When they have so much blogging to do. I'm telling you they're blogging under the influence of the devil. They've got bad spirits. And they're wagging their tongues. But let us be with the Apostle Paul. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I came into church 40-something years ago. I was just a, a kid. Just a hippie. A freak. Trying to, you know, there wasn't anything that we didn't act stupid about. After all, I knelt down on the street in New York City and asked my wife to marry me in front of everybody. Top that one. Hmm. Well, I wasn't trying to top anybody. I was just doing what I was doing. I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I didn't have any sense, literally or otherwise. And, uh, you know, I kept running in front of her and saying, please, please, won't you be my wife? And I got down on my knees, man. People, and you, you go to New York, friend. You stand on a street corner getting ready for the light to change. You look like you're part of a, a pretty good-sized city right then. You and the people that are waiting to cross the road, you know. There's that many people. There's probably close to as many people on the street corner at, at Broadway and 34th Street ready, ready to cross the street as there is in all of the Tri-City area put together. And that's not an exaggeration. Okay, so, you know, but you, you've got to get to a place where you're not ashamed. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. That's my condition. That's my state of my mental and spiritual state of condition here, is that I'm not ashamed. I'm living in I'm not ashamedville. I'm not ashamed of the things that the Bible teaches. I'm not going to back up on those things. Do I want to be balanced? Most Definitely. I do not want to be extreme left or extreme right. I'm not interested in preaching and teaching things and trying to get people to observe things that are not in the Bible, that are not taught in the Bible. And when you get to listing them all out, and the Apostle Paul said, and such like. So things that are of the same spirit, we're not going to be a part of that. But we're going to be balanced here. We're going to have chapter and verse for what we believe. But we're not, we're not in the erasing business. We're not in the backing up business. We're not in the business of, of uh, doing things that are uh, compromising 
okay? We, we're not going to compromise God's word. We, we, nobody has the right to change God's word. Nobody has the right to water it down. Nobody has the right for private interpretation. But I tell you that our greatest arguments are going to come. Our greatest battles are going to come not from outside in the world, but they're going to come from inside the church, at least what appears to be the church. Because there's a church within the church universally. I can tell you that. There's a wheel within the middle of the wheel. So let us be very firm. Be very firm. There are people that are, will tell you tonight that you can go anywhere you want to go. You can do anything you want to do. You can dress any way you want to dress. You can act any way you want to act. Things that have been taught against for years by men and women that have lived under extreme difficult circumstances. And they stood and they, they held their ground. They held God's ground. And they stood by Jesus no matter what it looked like. No matter how people made fun. There are young people that went through uh, kindergarten right up through 12th grade and then on even into college. And they lived for him. And they dressed right. And they talked right. And they, they didn't sing worldly songs. They didn't want to learn the worldly songs. If they sang, they sang gospel songs. You hear me? And if they, if they were involved in anything, they did it in a proper way. If it came time for P.E., they got a letter that said it's against our biblical convictions to dress out the way that you require. We'll go play volleyball, but we will dress the, the standards of the Word of God as we believe them to be. And they stood for that. They had to be different than everybody else. Let me tell you, the difference is a good difference. God has made a good difference between us and the world. give to you Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 12. For it is a shame. Now remember, shame is a painful emotion. And it's caused by a consciousness of guilt. Pounding away in your mind. It's an impropriety. Okay? And, and it's a, it gives you a shock. It's, it's a, an emotion that, that absolutely makes you feel bad. It's a condition that is disgraceful, disgraceful. I want you to know that it's a, a uh, looking for a word, but it is a, it is a feeling that makes you burn because you're ashamed of what you, what you said or what you did or how you acted. But let me tell you, if you will have a repentant heart, then that shame can work for you. It can, it can move on you and prompt you and convict you to the point that you will do the right thing about it. Okay? But I'm trying to tell you that shame is not a plus. In most cases, unless you turn it to a plus, it's not a plus. It's a negative. It's a, it's a feeling that is, uh, you don't want. And Paul said, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. There are things that people do in secret. They think nobody knows. But you know, sometimes 
you've got that look of shame about you. You are draped in shame, disgrace, dishonor. It's there, and it's easily discerned. Something that, that brings a, a censure, something that brings a uh, reproach, something that is to be regretted, you know. It's a cause of feeling, and it's a shame. Sometimes people feel shame for the lies that they tell, for the things that they're doing in secret. But what's really worrisome is people who don't feel anything at all when they lie, when they do things wrong. That's when you, you might really want to start getting extremely worried about yourself. Extremely worried about yourself. If you feel shame for your lies, I'm going to say that you just need to learn how to handle that spiritually. But I want to tell you, I'm in the church, and I hope you're in the church, and I... And I hope that you want to be in the church, meaning the body of Christ, not just the building. I'm glad you're in the church house tonight. And I'm glad that the air conditioning is working just fine. And uh, there are many positive things about the church house. But I'm talking about the body of Christ. That God would, through the born-again experience, through you believing and obeying Acts 2.38, you repent of your sins, you get baptized in Jesus' name, and God fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you begin to grow then as a newborn babe in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Romans to Revelation, you're embarking on a journey so that you can now stay saved. That he's pulled you out of the fire, that you could stay out of the fire. That he's pulled you out of a horrible pit, that you could stay out of that horrible pit. And as it said, serve the Lord with gladness. It didn't say sadness. It said gladness. Because I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of what's happened to me. There are going to be people not going to like it. There are going to be people mock it. There are going to be people cast things in your teeth. You're going to make be people that make all kinds of fun. But I am not ashamed. I know what is done for me. I know it took me out of the miry clay and it cleaned me up. He washed all that filth and garbage out of my mind, out of my eyes and my ears and my mouth. He cleaned me up. Cleaned me up. I'm not ashamed of that. Not ashamed of that. Feeling no shame. Feeling no shame. When I, when I heard the preaching, reading the Word, I felt shame for the way I'd lived and the way I'd acted, things I'd done, places I'd been, words I'd spoken. I felt, I felt shame for that. And I, I began to repent, you see, because people, people who are getting past the feeling of shame, those are the kind of people that they are past feeling or on their way to being past feeling to where... This is not having an effect on them. You want to be able to feel conviction. One preacher preached one time years ago, I remember, and he said that it's kind of like the, uh, the princess. Now, this is not in the Bible. 
Well, the princess, the story goes, she kissed the toad. And I don't recommend kissing toads. You better, you better find out if, if that thing you're about to kiss has AIDS or not, and that's no joke. You better find out if it's in the family. Maybe somebody should be tested or somebody's should be tested. It just depends on what kind of life you've been living. And you know what? We all usually, most of us, come out of sin. We come out of a sinful background. But me, now, I believe you come in, you get the Holy Ghost, you get baptized in Jesus' name, God heals all that. God takes all that sin and he puts that out, friend. He gets rid of all of that. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm so glad he did that. So glad. So glad. So glad. But uh, the scripture said that there's a, it's a shame. Somewhere along the line, we might want to equate sin with shame. Okay? We might want to realize that they kind of go hand in hand. And the, so he's saying it's a shame or it's a sin even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, maybe we should back up a little bit and look at this Ephesians chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Not lust, but walk in love. That's the love of God. Walk in the Spirit because that's how we get the love of God, by the Holy Ghost that He gives to us, that is shed abroad. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by this good gift of the Holy Ghost. And walk in love as, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself on the cross. And they stood by Him under those extreme circumstances. Hath given Himself for us an offering, that's the cross, and a sacrifice, that's the cross, to the Spirit for a sweet-smelling savor. He offered up a sweet-smelling savor of a sacrifice, well-pleasing to the Spirit. But fornication, now that's getting involved before you get married. You understand me? And all uncleanness or covetousness, wanting what you shouldn't want, having such a strong, lustful desire, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. He's taken us. We come with all this dirt. And we repent of that. Now, you know, if you're the, a, a synonym, a word that means the same thing as shame, is to be remorseless, meaning you feel no remorse. Not, not feeling the least bit bad about it. You know? Not the least bit bad about it. It becomes what Revelation talked about, an impentinence, meaning they wouldn't repent. No matter what they did, no matter how bad their sin was, no matter all of the things that they involved themselves with and were doing that they shouldn't have been doing, okay, 
It's like I told one fella, he was arguing with me. And that was the first thing, definitely, he was doing wrong. But he was taking issue, and he was arguing with me, and I said, listen to me. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, some people, I can understand why they do what they do. I said, but you were trained. You were taught right. I said, therefore, you're sinning with knowledge. Therefore, your sin is the greater. You might want to think about what all you've been taught, what all been put in your life, how many lessons you've been taught. I want you to raise your hand if you were taught here at any age about the, the lesson about the, the crystal or the china and the paper plate. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That crystal and that china, that's, that's that good stuff, isn't it? That's that valuable stuff, isn't it? That, you don't even put that in the dishwasher if you have one. You have to hand wash that because it's very valuable and you don't want it to scratch. You know, guys that, that get their cars and their car is just everything or their truck is just everything to them, friend, they don't wash that with a T-Mac rig. They hand wash that with a little hose. And they just put a little bitty bit of water on there. They're real careful. They don't, they don't go through the drive-thru. You know, they're not taking that up there to Beanard and saying, run this through for me. Or take that big old brush with all that yellow foamy soap. Oh, no, they're not doing that. No, 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 no. See, they, that, that, that's, that vehicle to them is China. It's, it's crystal. I'm not, we don't do it that way. It's too valuable, too precious. Now, some people think more of their vehicle than they think of themselves. You know, you, you hand wash that, that china plate, you know. But how many wash the paper plate, especially after you ate spaghetti, all that sauce? Hmm? You going to take that paper plate, you going to wash that? You going to throw it right in the garbage, aren't you? That's all it's good for is to put in the garbage. Can't be used for anything else. You know, I'm going to tell you something, young people. You are not being raised to be garbage, okay? You tell the devil, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of what the Bible teaches. I'm not ashamed of what I'm taught in Sunday school. I'm not ashamed to go to church. I am not garbage. I am fine china. I am crystal. Amen. Amen. Let our song be, I'm feeling no shame. I'm feeling no shame. I'm feeling the joy and the gladness of having the gift of the Holy Ghost, of doing it right, saying it right, being trained to think right, act right, live right. That's what I'm doing. Amen. I don't want their rap garbage. Hello. Be seated. I don't want to go into anatomy, but I don't think for one split second that you should lower yourself to lowering your belt line to below your buttocks, okay? I don't believe for one split second you ought to do that because you're not garbage, okay? 
All right. So listen to what he said. He said, fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. You are a sanctified person. God cleaned you up. He pulled you out of the mire. He hand washed you, my friend. He's making you a vessel for the finer because he's purging out the garbage. He wants you to be a vessel of, of fine gold, not fool's gold. He wants you to be a vessel. You know gold is yellow. Why? Because it has impurities in it. But see, the gold that we're going to be for God, it's going to be transparent. Not going to have that yellow stuff in it. We ain't running. We ain't backing up. We're not chicken in any way, shape, or form. We're going to stand by Jesus. We're going to stand by the truth. We're going to stand by chapter and verse. And he's going to purify us. That's why you want to be thankful for any trial or test you go through because it's getting the impurities out. You're a vessel for the finer. Amen. Amen. So he said, he didn't stop there. He went on, verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 5, and he said, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. Woo! Now, that ought to say, well, shut my mouth. Exactly. Exactly. You know who's doing the foolish talking? The people who are idle in the marketplace. Because they're talking about everything except God. They're not talking about Him. They're not talking about His work. They're not, they're not hearing the plea to get out in the field and help reap the harvest. If you want to talk so much, how about teaching some lost person a Bible study. Amen. Amen. He went on to say, after not foolish talking, he said, nor jesting, which are not convenient. That means they're not proper. They're not proper. Paul said one place, I protest by your rejoicing. Now, this is the same Paul that said, rejoice. And again, I say unto thee, rejoice. So you got to get the context that he's talking in here. You know, that you're not a, a church jester. You know what a court jester was in the days of the castles, right? And the, and the king would sit on his throne. And they would bring in a court jester. And that was a guy that would come in with big clown feet and a funny hat with a thing hanging down with a little puffy ball on the end of it. And his, out, his outfit would probably have stripes in it. And he would do somersaults, and he would do all kinds of weird, silly, ridiculous things just to entertain the king. He was called the court jester. Don't be a church jester, okay? Don't be the one that... You know, everybody thinks you're just foolish. You don't want to be that one. You'd like to be known as somebody who prays. You'd rather be known as somebody who, who reads this Bible and teaches it to lost people, hands out tracts, witness to people, that you're trying to help be a part of a soul-winning combine. You want to reap this harvest. 
Does it mean you can never laugh? Not at all. But you might want to be particular about what you're laughing about. You might want to be particular about what you're hearing. And when they come up to you on the job and say, hey, man, I got a new joke, you might want to say, not really interested. Can't do that right now. Got to go bye-bye. Out of here. You know, there are different ways to handle it. But you got to consider the source of who's telling the joke. You don't need to hear what's coming out of that, that ungodly heart, that mind. Somebody said, well, you're just trying to brainwash us. Yep, I am. If I could unscrew the top of your head, pull your brain out, and take it down to the car wash, I think we'd do that. But actually, this is the car wash, isn't it? This is where you get your brains, your dirty brains washed. You get your heart cleaned up. You get all the sludge and all the filth and all the trash out of there. You get washed in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, he said, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. They're not proper. What was it about Moses? He was a proper child. He said, but rather, you want to know what to do? He said, but rather, giving of thanks. Give your time to something more edifying. Something that is going to be profitable to you. To get you over in the prophet side of the ledger. That you're giving God thanks. Now, there's always going to be a devil that comes along and whispers in somebody's ears and just says, hey, you, can't never, you can't never tell a joke. You can't. I'm not against godly humor. Okay? Nothing wrong with godly humor. But let me tell you, I'm telling you, you don't need to be the church jester. You don't need to be the person, the, the, the parking lot comedian. Okay? He said, for this you know, that no whoremonger, that means somebody that traffics in those kind of people, nor unclean persons, nor covetous man who is an idolater have any inheritance. These kind of people, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and of God, a reference to the flesh and the spirit. He said, let no man deceive you with vain words, empty, useless of no value words. There's always going to be somebody that mocks and makes fun. Yeah. Well, because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Somebody asked me the other day, what does it mean when it said wrath? I said it means God's mad. It means He's angry. And that translates into the wrath of God. Let us not become the children of disobedience who are fitted to destruction to, by the wrath of Almighty God. Let that not be what your end is going to be. Don't let it be that way. He said, be not ye therefore partakers with them. You better get away. Isn't that what happened when they came against Moses? And they began to say things 
just a little word here and a little word there, a little undermining here, a little undermining there, and pretty soon they had a great big thing rolling, and they were rising up against Moses and asking him who he thinks he is. We're just as good as you, blah, 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 blah. And, and God said, tell everybody to get away from them. They better move, and they better move fast. And then Moses starts praying for him. Moses starts asking God not to do this. Well, God did it. God did it. And it was over 20,000 people that perished who was near those people when the ground opened up and swallowed them up. Let me tell you, I have seen people get bad spirits, get bad attitudes, run their mouths, all kinds of things. <clears throat> and I have seen them like cow manure dry up and blow away. It's like the ground just cleaved open and they disappeared and they weren't over. Did it happen the next second? No. Did it happen the next day? Probably not. Did it happen within a year? Maybe so. A lot of times, yes. But after a while, I'm trying to tell you, all of a sudden, that person you were so concerned about, they are no more. They just wash out. They just, it's almost like they disappear. Especially if you're continuing into that vineyard. And you're talking about him to new people. And you're, you're winning souls. And you're a part of the work of God. Then your, your mind is more on our customers than it is on our competitors. People that are against us. People that are fighting. You know, So we want to get our minds on the right thing. He said, so you're not to be a partaker with them. You don't want to go, oh, they went to the movie. Well, don't go to the movies with them. Well, they went to the club. Well, don't go to the club with them. You know, They went here. They, don't go with them. Be not a partaker. Well, they're listening to Rihanna. Who cares? You know, well, what about Beyonce? What about her? And I don't have to knock any personalities. I'm just telling you, you get your mind on God. Not any kind of music is edified. Not any kind of words or lyrics are edified. You better realize you're in a battle for your soul. You're in a race and you better run it right. And I don't care. I, I'm not against rap. But it better be gospel rap. And you might want to check that real close. Just because they say gospel. Some people's gospel and this gospel is very different. Okay? They don't mind using bad words. Whether it's a, an out-and-out out profanity, cuss word, or whether they're using slang. You know? And then pretty soon you're talking slang. Oh, I said talk. No, you're probably texting it. You can be seated. He said, for ye were, past tense in the English language, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now, present tense, English, are ye light in the Lord. And he said, walk as children of light. We're not going to walk in the darkness. We're not, you want to you wanna get an experience and you should have an experience that has changed you for the good. You want to maintain that experience. So don't come to church and chase boogers up your nose or earwax down your ear or clip your fingernails or bounce your checkbook. Come to Look, if you went to PE class, that gym teacher's going, do this and you do that, or do this and you do that, or hit it for 10 push-ups. 10? 
And you do that. Well, when you come to church, get him up. Get him up. Praise him. Thank him. Worship him. You're a lively stone. You're not dead. You're alive. And you serve a living God. And he responds and he reacts and he dwells in your presence because of your praise. Because of your praise. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Is your behavior acceptable? Would you consider that God is happy with how you're doing it and what you're doing with your behavior, with your spirit? You want to prove that out. You want to test that out. And if you're having trouble, well, come see me. Run it by me. People don't want to do that when they already know. It's like I told you, let me hurry up and tell you this gossip before I find out it's not true. You know? so people, people sometimes don't want to come check in and, and communicate because they already know in their heart that it's wrong. So let me hurry up and do it. And then I'll go tell them, hey, is it okay? <laughs> Heard he did it, but is it okay? You know? All right, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship. Now, do you know, there's, has everybody here, does anybody here know everybody in this Tri-City area? You know everybody? Have you witnessed to everybody? No, I didn't think so. Now, I know we've, we've more than one time through my years here, we've knocked on every door. We have. But, you know, those, those houses are, are constantly changing. Those, those people live in those apartments constantly changing. People move in and people move out. People follow seasons, all kinds of things. And not just in America. They go back to the islands and they come back, you know. There's a constant changing. And I'm saying that because there is a, a tremendous amount of work to do. But I'm going to chase down the guy that has sat in here and been taught and turned his back on and got ashamed. I'm going to go chase that guy down. I'm going, to, I'm going to spend my time talking to him or her. I'm going, to, I'm going to constantly, you know, provide them with some failure. We can't, we can't abandon them now, can we? Well, you're going to abandon them when the bullets are flying your way because you're standing too close to them because you're too near their tent. You're too near their life. You're too near their style, their way, their vehicle. And you're going to find yourself ducking all right, ducking bullets, ducking people who have bad spirits because you're fellowshipping something that has shown itself to be not fellowshipable. How do you like that word? We've always said that we'll fellowship if a person shows themselves fellowshipable. But you know, if we've taught them Acts 2.38, if we have invested time and energy and and uh, input and we have made investment in that person and they turn their back and they go their way then friend I'm not chasing them down what you going to tell them that they don't already know would you please tell me that but what about those people that don't know anything 
What about those people that have not had their door knocked on? The door of their heart. Those people that don't know Acts 2.38. Those people that have not been baptized in Jesus' name. Those people you don't know. So I'd say we've got our work and cut out for us here. Why does anybody deserve this twice when some haven't heard it once? Don't, don't, don't you kid, try to kid me or yourself, or shall I say deceive me or yourself. And the reason you're going around some people is because you like that old fatty fat. And that ain't P-H-A-T neither. That's that greasy, greasy stuff you can just be around it. And I'm, I'm getting close to sin, but you know, I'm not a part. It's splattering all over you. It's just getting all in your spirit. Okay? So you tell yourself. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, you, you're going to go walking up in their face. You know you're doing wrong. Fine. You want to say you're doing wrong, and you keep walking. Okay? You just keep walking. I told a kid the other day, not a kid anymore, but I told him, I said, come over here. And so while he stood there, we were reading the Bible out loud. And I said, now go on the strength of that meat. I said, now we've done our little job, haven't we? we? We've told old Mr. Backslider how it is again and again and again. Now let's get on with business, okay? Let's move on into the harvest. Quit exposing yourself to the attitudes. We're not to fellowship. You're on your job. You know those men don't think right. You know they all got women on the side. You know those women on the job, they're all flirting around, they're all sex in the city. Well, we ain't got sex in the church, honey. This is the church of the living God. I don't want their ways. I don't want their lifestyles. I don't want their attitudes. So you don't play that game. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to persist and you want a women's or ladies' night out, then don't get married. You hear me? If you want the guy's night out, then don't get married. You hear me? I don't know if there's a day in 40-something years that I haven't been with my wife. Lunch, breakfast, (laughs) church, prayer meeting, yard sale. You name it. Don't get married if if you want to live the single life. Don't get married. If you're going to make her a widow, you know, she's always by herself. You're never there, you know. Okay. Everybody said praise the Lord. And I had to learn that, you know. When I came into church, I was very independent. There used to be an office over here right where these guys were sitting. This platform was smaller, and, and there was an office back here on this side where that air handler, where the baptismal room was. That was an office. And there I would sit back there, and I would study, and I would read, and I would pray here. And, and uh, you know, I, w- I would just get up and go, you know. And uh, I had to learn that, you know, that wasn't very fair to my wife because she's wondering, where in the world is he, you know. And I'd just sneak out the door and come up here. That's where I was. But still, you got to learn to communicate. Communicate. Everybody said, praise the Lord. You don't want to say nothing. You're the big dog. You're walking around. You're strutting. You're your man. you got your own life until dinner time. Honey, what's for dinner? I'm hungry. Mm. 
Okay, things change. Got to get honest about this. I told my wife on the phone the other day, I, was, I called her sweetheart. She said, why are you calling me sweetheart? I said, because the guys are all here, and i got to be a good example. <laughs> and I said, uh, so then I really laid it on thick. You know, I started going, who's your boop 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 And I thought Patrick was going to die. I thought he was going to fall right off that chair on the ground. He started laughing. <laughs> I was really having some good godly humor, having a little fun. I learned that from Patrick, though, anyway. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's got his own language with Nicole, and I don't think it's uh, Creole. But anyway, <coughs> he said, but all things that are reproved are made manifest. That means they're clearly shown by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And that's why some people are always doing things undercover. And the Bible said that men, meaning mankind, people, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They're doing something wrong. They're doing something shady. They're doing what they shouldn't be doing. But the light makes manifest. The light makes manifest. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, dead in sin, and Christ shall give thee light. That's what he's going to do. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. means don't be acting silly. A man had a, my pastor had a dream about a preacher one time that he communicated to me. And he said, he said the building was under construction and there was scaffolding and there was signs and some of the signs up high were saying, uh, had this, the cross, the cross bones and the skull and danger, danger. And said, and this preacher in the dream, he was just walking on the edge of the wall and just acting as silly and foolish and horsing around and just gooping around. And he said, and, that, and there was that sign, danger. You better read your Bible. It talked about folks that are in danger. Danger. You better watch how you act, how you talk, where you go. The way that your spirit is getting, the, th the, the things that you're allowing into your life. And, and you think that it's, it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. And it's having an effect, a bad effect. What I'm talking to you about, about not being ashamed. From Romans, I'll read to you, chapter 9 and verse 33, I believe it is. This is what was written. As a matter of fact, it starts off by saying, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion, the church, that is, a stumbling stone, a rock and the rock of offense. What's he mean by that? He means either you're going to embrace the truth, you're going to not be ashamed, you're going to love the truth, the church, everything that it stands for and teaches, and you're going to learn it, get compatible with it, get in rank and harmony and step here. Or, or he becomes a stumbling stone. You're going to trip. You're going to fall right over it. So he said... As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. You're going to get offended. He said, And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So the difference is you're either going to get in this and get in harmony and be a believer, 
or you're going to be an unbeliever because you're out of step and out of rank. And if you're out of step and out of rank, the very things that's saving others will be tripping you up. You're going to trip over something that somebody else just standing on it. That's something they stand on, that rock, friend. They stand on that chapter and verse. They stand on those principles. They rely on that subject matter because we can prove why we believe what we believe, why we practice what we practice. Everybody said hallelujah. Once again, in the very next chapter, Chapter 10 of the book of Romans. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. We're never going to be ashamed, I tell you, if you stay with the truth. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how much fun they make, no matter how much they put you down, it doesn't matter. It, even when the clouds are dark and thick and, 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 and the elements are testifying against you, Everything's going look like the wrong way. You know, I had somebody tell me recently, they said, everything going wrong, everything going, everything, everything, everything going wrong. And I'm thinking in my mind, everything going wrong because you're not putting God first. If you put God first, then God can smooth everything out. Isn't that what he said? Bring down the mountain, bring up the valley, straighten out the crooked, smooth out the road. You know? You know, the world, you'll do all the sinful things and all the wrong things. You know, you'll dress so nadly. And you'll walk so jauntily. And you got that whole thing going on there, you know. And it's screaming if you're a guy, I'm a player. I'm a player, you know. I don't know what it screams for you're a girl. You're a hoe, I guess. But whatever it is, it's screaming it, you know. And you better tell yourself, that's, that's not what I want to be about. That's not the lifestyle that I want people to see coming off of me when they look at me. Their rules are not my rules. Their attitudes are not my attitudes. Their ways and their thinkings and the places they go and the things they do, not involved with that anymore. This is all different, friend. I'm with them that want to go to that, glad to go to the church, glad to lift their hands and worship Him. Are you going to be glad in that day, my friend, when He takes you out of here? You're going to be glad to be in that number because those folks that you want to be with or got tempted to be with, they're going to be boiling, bubbling, frying, and stewing in a lake of fire, gnashing their teeth with no end. You, you're going to be walking on a street of gold. And you're going to be brushing shoulders with walls of jasper and gates of pearl. And you're going to be where there is no devil and there is no negative feelings. Because you're not ashamed. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And let me tell you something. There's more to this as much as I preach it and you know I do. As much as I love it and you know I do. Acts 2.38. But there's more to this than Acts 2.38. You don't stop at Acts 2.38, Acts chapter 28, and then Romans to Revelation is, uh, 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 what's the word, optional. It's not optional. Not if you're going to stay saved. Not if you're going to make it. Amen and amen. Come on. You can't be ashamed. You don't want to be ashamed. You want to stand with the Lord. No matter what it's looking like, no matter how 
tough the trial and the temptation is, you stand your ground. You stand by the Lord. You stand close to the church. You get close to the leadership. You get close to chapter and verse and subject matter. You be loyal and faithful and true. No matter who you got to look in the eyeball and tell them, I'm not going there with that. You shouldn't talk like that. You shouldn't act like that. No matter who you have to tell that to. Everybody said amen. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands and worship Him. I am not ashamed. You tell yourself, Jesus, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed, O Lord, of any part of this. Jesus' name. Come on now. That's right. Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm serving him with gladness. your grace oh by grace through faith not of myself it'll be of God chapter and verse subject matter Worship him.